Hello, Horror Huns. It's me, Meg, your American co-host. <laughs> and I am your British host. <laughs> yep. Whenever I say British, I'll just emphasize it like British, you know. I think, honestly, that's probably a good thing that we are from different countries and have totally different accents so people can differentiate. Because sometimes <laughs> when you first start listening to podcasts, you're like, who is talking right now? Yeah, that is very true. Well, I'm your British co-host, V, who, um, yeah, is on the other side of the pond. Yep, we're here. And we are ready to talk about the things that we're going to talk about today. Oh my god, you're drinking a monster. You know, it's a rock drinks. star. Oh. It is a rock star punched. Yeah, see, I don't even know what they look like. I had three sips of a Red Bull, like, last month, and I was like, whoa, man. The flavor is exquisite. Oh my god. No, I like energy drinks that don't taste like energy drinks. I want it to be fruity, you know? Mm. Because mm-hmm. normal, like, the original flavor of energy drinks makes me feel very sick. But these, ugh, give it I to me all day, baby. I how you can drink those, period, and then drink afterwards. It's just the British way, babes. <laughs> no, people do that here, like Jaeger bombs. Like oh, I hate put, Jaeger. Yeah, mm-hmm. where they put Jaeger and Red Bull, and I'm just like, how are we here? How are you making these life decisions? <laughs> I mean, Alice mixes White Monster with Rosé, so you guys it's, are it's, so I, weird. Don't knock it till you try it. It is actually delicious. I could say the same thing about pineapple on pizza. We're not going to start this again. <laughs> Before you get into that, basically, it, this is just going to become our regular intro thing where I and Meg share news that has come out um, over the past week of when we've recorded. Um, obviously, currently when we're recording, it is Saturday, 23rd of July, and currently San Diego Comic Con is going on. So <laughs> if we miss there. anything, <laughs> don't even get me started. Bruce Campbell is doing a signing today. Mm. Anyway, last um, pod so was yes. there. Uh, mm, it is everyone just is everything. There. Yes, everyone is there. So if we don't mention anything that is announced over the Saturday and Sunday, don't worry. Um, we will probably get uh, to it. talk about it. Not next week because we're going to take a little bit of a break, but the week after. So the first bit of exciting news is we got the trailer and the poster for Halloween Ends. Yeah. Uh, so, what was your first impressions of it? I am very excited. I do love the Halloween franchise. Um, and I'm really interested after the last two entries. I know that mm. Halloween fans are kind of torn on if they like this um, little setup, like the trilogy that's coming out right now. Yeah, the timeline. Hey, I don't hate it. Okay. so I, I enjoy it more than other timelines that we've had in the Halloween franchise. I know, yes, because you do not subscribe to the theory that Michael and Laurie are related. And personally... It's just bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Personally, I just am a really big fan of the character of Laurie, so I like where they were able to take her character in this one. I felt like this made almost the most sense, so I'm excited and... Have you gotten to watch Halloween Kills yet? 
I did watch it um, a couple of months ago. So the ending, I think the ending was spoiled for me before I got to watch it. So it wasn't that much of a shock. Yeah, when I saw it. But it was still, you know, like a scene where I was like, oh, shit. Like, Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if potentially this could be the end of Laurie Strode. Like, yes. she could get killed off. Yeah, it really feels that way. And, like, we've seen with Scream and other big slasher franchises, they're trying to bring about a new final girl. Um, you know, because we've had our times with all of these ladies. So I definitely feel like Lori's granddaughter is on track to be the new star of Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. That just feels like what they're setting it up for, at least to mm. me. Yeah, I definitely feel that because that's what they've done in Scream. Although I don't like the character that they're trying to, you know, push yeah. forward to us in Scream. However, Halloween, they've given us so much more time with the granddaughter that we've actually gotten to know her and seen her journey and grow as a person. So I think she could be as badass as Laurie Strode, but we just have to see, won't we? We really will, but I'm not sure if you or the listeners or a lot of people actually read the synopsis that was underneath the video. I just Um, watched Trailer Babes. (laughs) Yeah, so I would also like to take a moment to read that because we're saying that it could be the granddaughter. However, this may have a little inkling that the storyline may not be exactly what we're anticipating it to be. Okay, go for it. Okay, let me straighten my bow tie. Um, (laughs) After 45 years, the most acclaimed, revered horror franchise in film history reaches its epic and terrifying conclusion as Laurie Strode faces off for the last time against the embodiment of evil Michael Myers in a final confrontation unlike any captured on screen before. Only one of them will survive. So interesting. It goes on to say, four years after the events of last year's Halloween Kills. So we got a time jump here. Lori is living with her granddaughter, Allison, and finishing writing her memoir. Michael Myers hasn't been seen since. Lori, after allowing the specter of Michael to determine and drive her reality for decades, has decided to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life. But when a young man, Corey Cunningham, is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Lori to finally confront the evil she can't control once and for all. So do you think it could potentially be Michael actually being killed this time? (sighs) I'm not sure. Like, I really don't know. These... This series has always been, for me, one of the most intense ones because I really cannot tell who has the upper hand between Michael and Laurie. Like, it always feels like they're equals in a sense. I know they say in the synopsis only one of them can live, but what if they do a complete twist and kill them both at the same time? Like, in the final epic battle and they both end up just killing each other. Or... I'm kind of thinking potentially that, but also they're introducing potentially another babysitter storyline. So maybe Michael will die, but someone dons the Michael mask. 
I don't know. This this synopsis is a little confusing to me, but I mm. guess we'll have to wait. We don't have that much longer to wait. No, no, we do not. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they end this because, you know, the Halloween franchise has been going on for so long. If they're going to end it at this time um, in a certain way, it gives them time to potentially reboot the whole entire series with a whole new cast. Yep, for sure. Now, I will say I watched this um, with my friend Dr. Ashton during our lunch break. We watched a trailer together and I was like, did you peep? She's wearing the same shirt as the original or like the same color and same style. And we both looked at each other. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. She Mm -hmm. is still the badass that they portray her to be in the final two films that we've gotten. But I feel like this is like a softer Lori. I mean... Look, we saw at the end of the last film, she was a battered, beaten, and a broken lady. Mm-hmm. She, and obviously, there's a time jump, so she's going to be even older. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting one. Interesting one for sure. Now, another interesting one, though, that's coming yes. out. Yes, the trailer Woo-hoo, has officially dropped for They Slash Them. Now, this one, I'm really excited for because it feels like a true queer horror film yeah definitely and it a hundred percent as soon as i saw the trailer instant friday the 13th vibes not only Mm -hmm. because kevin bacon's in it but just the whole atmosphere of it i'm super excited for this one me too so um if you haven't seen the trailer, um, it's basically a bunch of queer teenagers, adults, young adults, um, are sent to a conversion camp, and basically, yeah, it just seems like it's not what it seems. And the trailer is at uh, the title of the film is kind of like a double entendre. So mm-hmm. you know, one of the characters is non-binary, and you see in the trailer they go, "Well, I." you know i i'm non-binary i go by they slash them you know and also the they slash them could be pointing to the counselors the adults in the conversion camp so i the trailer made me really really excited to see how they're gonna take you know a truly terrifying experience for some um queer people in you know america the uk around the world being sent to conversion camps and actually giving it a twist and at the end we obviously see a a slasher killer sort of thing gives me like scream mask vibes you know the mask is super cool in this one oh yeah it's a very unique design which is what we want we don't want imitations of you know michael myers um Ghostface, uh, Jason, all that stuff. We want something unique and scary, and it looks pretty damn terrifying to me. It, it does, um, truly. And the creator of this movie, um, I think the writer of the movie is a gay man. And you know what also he created? We're about to bring it full circle, V. Back to the beginning of Horror Hunts. Penny Dreadful. Oh, fine. <laughs> So I am very excited to see this movie because I know that he has potential to create something really, really good. And I think when I was reading about him, 
Um, Like, he lived in a very religious upbringing, but they were supportive of him. So it'll be interesting to see um, a queer person's take on the slasher genre. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, I'm excited for Kevin Bacon. Like, he is going to be a villain in this. I love Kevin Bacon in general, right? I'm a huge Kevin Bacon stan. So going to see him in this villain role it's just gonna it's just so exciting i'm so excited for this film and um it's going to be on peacocks which is a free streaming service and it will be out on the 5th of august which is the same day as prey which will be released on hulu and disney plus which is the new predator film i'm excited too to see bodies 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 they showed a new trailer before nope I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited. It looks so dumb. I'm so excited. It does look so dumb. And I am so excited to see Barbarian. Have you seen the trailer for that? I haven't seen the trailer for it. No. Oh my god. She looks like the queen of bad decision making. Like every single decision that she makes in this trailer, I'm just like, why would you do that? But also, it stars Bill Skarsgård. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I have seen it. Yes, as soon as she said Bill Skarsgård, I'm like, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's about um a lady that go rents this Airbnb and someone's already there and it's not what it seems. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I'm Especially Bill Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a scene in the trailer where she is down in like the crypt that is like underneath the basement. And he's crawling on the floor and she like pans the light over him and he's like crawling really quickly. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking terrifying. But I think uh, that's I exciting. Also sent you a trailer for one that I'm kind of interested about. Um, Smile. Yes. Uh, I'm scared already. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited for all these movies that are going to be mm-hmm. coming out um, the rest of this yes. year. We got a good Me- lineup. We do, we do, and I'm sure there'll be more announced. Um, speaking of announcements, um, did you see, I'm sure you did, because I shared it on our Instagram, um, that Patrick Wilson will be directing Insidious 5 in his first directorial debut. How does that make you feel? Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this opinion with you. I am not a big fan of the Insidious movies. I've Me seen neither. the first two. Um, I've seen the first one. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't really a fan. I'm not a big fan of James Wan anyway, but... Oh, I I am in his earlier work, for sure. But uh, his newer stuff, I'm not vibing with. I am interested because i know that patrick wilson is like the star of insidious so it's gonna be nice Mm -hmm. that he's already in that world and they aren't bringing like some outsider to it and plus he's kind of hot so i mean you're not wrong there he does he has a certain look about him that i don't know what it is but i'm drawn to it you know yeah like Mm -hmm. that man is fine i had one more bit of news (gasps) It's not that exciting. I just wanted to mention it because I wanted to get you riled up. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I'm scared. Um, so this was announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and there is going to be another Walking Dead spinoff where it's going to be a limited series that um, takes um, Michonne and 
Andrew Lincoln's character, who I can't remember his name at this moment in time. Rick! Oh my god, Rick. Um, Rick and uh, Michonne's, like, story is, like, going to carry off and end their story officially. So, um, I really thought Andrew Lincoln was going to be done with this series, like, the whole general public. Um, But, yeah. I'm tired. Me too. (laughs) I have watched maybe half of season one okay listen listen i was a huge walking dead fan right i know you were i loved it but i stopped watching it before negan came about um so i missed the whole you know slaughtering of main characters um and i've just not been ever been able to pick it up i've never been able to pick up the spin-offs um so at the moment it just keeps feeling like they're beating a dead horse yeah, just, just let it die just you know put it to rest please please mm-hmm. we back up you you did wind me up now because i <laughs> i knew it would but i'm sorry <laughs> this topic we're going to talk about today is you know as you said before you know i stopped you to wind you up it's a exciting one Oh, yes, it is exciting. I just started playing with a paintbrush and I got completely sidetracked. Yes, I'm excited to talk about Jordan Peele with you today because I know that both of us fuck heavy with him. He Mm -hmm. is everything that I aspire to be. He's funny. Mm -hmm. He's in the horror game. He's Mm -hmm. woke. Mm -hmm. He's just all around a very interesting guy. And he seems like a generally nice guy as well. Like, I've never seen anyone say a bad thing about him. Yeah. I mean, I started watching Key and Peele long before Get Out or Us even was spoke of. So I have been a fan of his for a hot minute. Yeah, I don't think it was um, Keen and Peele was really shown over here, but um, I've seen clips of him. And obviously, uh, we're going to be talking about his two films. Um, and Meg's obviously going to do a brief, uh, spoiler-free uh, review of his third film that has come out this month. But yeah, it's it's just been very interesting to see his take on horror. Yes. So, slow clap to you, Jordan Peele, for literally smashing everyone's minds with his first ever movie i mean get out has been i mean it's commonly referred to as one of the greatest movies in 21st history like he truly truly has like a pulse on today's societal horrors much more than who we've previously talked about Ari Aster. I'm just probably Mm. still going to be drawing some comparisons this episode because we are going to be like just looking at two films but like both of these directors absolutely smashed the expectations for their first films. Probably Jordan Peele also felt a lot of pressure because he's been known as the comedy guy, the funny guy, and probably had to, you know, have an uphill battle with people thinking, why is this comedy guy, you know, making a horror film? Like, it isn't going to be that great. And he has just shown everyone that just because you're known as the funny guy does not mean you cannot write and direct such a terrifying piece of work 
Yes, and not only did he write these, he directed them. Like, he truly has a vision, and he's able to execute it and just get people to see where he's coming from. Like, both of these movies, Get Out and Us, they have obviously racial undertones to them, and he takes what he's had to deal with as a man of color and America today and made a movie where literally everyone can relate to it at some level. Yeah. And obviously um he revived the Twilight Zone as well. And you can see a lot of these themes in this uh the Twilight Zone series that he, you know, directed, writ everything. And, you know, They've tried to reboot the Twilight series, uh, Twilight series, Twilight Zone so many times. And you know me, I am in love with the Twilight Zone. Like the original Twilight Zone is my shit. And watching Jordan Peele's take felt right. It felt like such a great modern telling of what the Twilight Zone is. And it's all thanks to, you know, Get Out and Us. He has just got this mind that can bring these social issues to the forefront and you know before we started recording I said to Meg like there's only so much me and you can take from this because essentially we're not the exact target audience for this but we can appreciate the story that he's telling in Get Out and Us. Yeah, because he's essentially holding up a mirror and saying look at this. What's happening today may not be to this extreme but It's happening, whether you realize it or not. I mean, with Get Out, Jordan Peele was able to show us that, like, he's not only clever, but, like, truly has a pulse on, like, society and how ugly and notable casual racism is. Especially, I know, I can't speak about in the UK, but, like, definitely in America. As a white person, you're like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, I don't do this to this degree, but, like, racism is taught, like, 100%, and you can see that through Get Out with this generational mindset that these people have, but it's, like, you can unlearn these things. You can unlearn what they are telling you is correct. Mm -hmm. 100%. Like, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Like, it just takes, you know one or two people to have an open mind to learning and changing their ways that they were taught from such a young age and obviously get out we wanted it to go one way with um you know the protagonist's girlfriend we wanted her to you know be a true ally and for her to do that twist being like "Mm, all an act sorry about it was just like fuck man fuck the way that he was able to manage the audience's expectation in this movie is so so good and i think that that is why the writers guild of america has like gone on to say that get out is the greatest screenplay in the 21st century and i mean he even won at the 90th oscars i think in 2018 for best screenplay like get out is so smart in the way that he does it i just i'm obsessed but yeah you touched on something about rose like she is taking chris to meet her family for the first time and she 
hasn't even told him that he's black. Mm. Now, I mean, for him, like, it concerns him because he doesn't know what he's walking into. And, like, the, I think it's the Armitage. I think that's their name. They're yeah. seemingly friendly, but that's also sinister as well because they're like, oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. This is the casual racism that I'm talking about that happens all the time to people of color. Yeah, it's like, it's the slight comments. Like, even if you don't yourself think that, oh, what I'm saying is an issue or I'm not, you know, being directly racist, it's still the way you say things and the tone you take that, you know, to the other person, it could come across a very different way. And, you know... You you definitely see it at the beginning before you know it starts twisting and turning into a completely different direction that you're like, why why are these people saying these things to, you know, Chris? Like, it's so uncomfortable. But like you said, it's showing a mirror to us. Like, there's probably been a lot of white people who have got a saviour complex that have yeah. gone, oh my God, Obama was like, you know the best we should have like he should have had a third term like you know solidarity to you brothers like that sort of thing and how they were saying that like they're built differently and stronger they think that just because they're playing this progressive liberal american that that is automatically going to make you in the right but guess what again your whole entire life we have been even if it's unintentional learning racist habits mm-hmm. And also thinking about it from Jordan Peele's perspective, he's married to a white woman. So it's like, how often has this been his life? Well, this is the thing. I um, think I heard like maybe a couple of years ago or even a year or so ago that um, this was actually written about meeting his wife's family for the first time. Like, Like, obviously not that drastic, but like how it made him feel like, you know yeah being you know dating a white woman being married to a white woman because also it's not even racism from white people it's also you get racism from black people to their own kind because they're like oh why are you dating a white woman like mm-hmm. yeah you know you're betraying us sort of thing and you definitely can kind of feel that in a way from this i think no a hundred percent you do know who he's married to right chelsea peretti Oh yeah, I do. I 100% know that. They're both so funny. Like both of them. I love them so much. But I felt like a big red flag when he, when Chris met the family for the first time was as soon as he saw that this white family had two black servants, quote unquote, their maid was black and their gardener was black. Like in Walter and Georgina made me so uncomfortable but he was able to write these characters and like direct them to have like this internal monologue throughout the entire movie without outwardly telling you what was going on like you knew something was suspect with these two there was something going on behind that facade a hundred percent and that is obviously as well props to um Betty Gabriel and Lakeith Stanfield, like their acting in this. I mean, the acting in general in this film is top tier. Like, but these two, the way they looked 
at you know Chris the way their body language was told they told us so much without saying anything and you're right it's just so uncomfortable and terrifying and I was just like I I I I feel uncomfy uh yes and what made me uncomfy too was the mom like how she kept pressuring him to do hypnosis since she was a therapist like lady back the fuck off i know you're trying Mm -hmm. to help me quit smoking or whatever but like back off and then when Mm -hmm. he actually went into the sunken place i that is a scene that was on the internet i mean it is going to definitely go on to be one of those like iconic horror scenes and also because it's so symbolic we see him telling this story of his mom and being already kind of in that sunken place or just completely disregarding what was going on when he was a child and like his mom dying and now he's back there but quite literally oh honestly when i first watched this film like you know up to that point i was already mesmerized but when it got to the sunken place scenes oh it was just a masterclass of cinematography like and i feel like that's also like symbolic of him repressing his emotions toward his mother's death but also like there are so many so many metaphors in this movie but i that one definitely stands out to me 100 percent. it is just honestly the way Jordan Peele created this film is just makes me speechless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to come up with that sort of thing, like what you would interpret, like interpretate to be if you were put under hypnosis, how would that make you feel? Yeah. What would that visually look like to an audience? Like he could have just left it as, you know, Chris being sat in the chair, like not being able to blink or anything, but that added extra step of watching Chris fall slowly in this darkness while he's, like, seeing his, like... It's kind of like an out-of-body experience, Mm -hmm. essentially, but done so masterfully. Like, oh, I just love this. (laughs) Yes, and so we get to, like, the pivotal point in this movie. You feel like this family is not right but you can't quite put your finger on it until you get to the party scene where you have all these white people like gawking at chris and making clueless fucking comments about like his frame and his skin color and it seems like they're trying to be like the cool hip white person but again it's just constant subtle racism and the part about this scene at least to me that makes me sad is like we talked about like this happens all the time Mm -hmm. all the time a hundred percent and it's also kind of like a modern take of you know slave auctions as well Mm -hmm. like how they would you know put um a black person on stage talk about his physique or these white people gawking like yes i could use him to you know fight for me or you know work in my fields that sort of thing and it's just like even though that sort of thing I don't believe I don't actually know if it happens anymore but it is a modern telling a modern take on it yeah and they are just it's disgusting that yeah that that these people are like I'm gonna do this like even a movie standpoint like you guys are fucking I, crazy. <laughs> I, I think it's it's uncomfortable for us because we're just like, why why would you look at someone who looks different to you and like 
see them as completely different. They're humans, you know? Like, they are... Like, we're all humans. Just because our skin colours are different or our genders are different or how we see the world is different, we all are living, breathing beings, you know? It is because they all seem so civilised and progressive, but they are seeing people of colour as novelties or, like, a fashion statement. And again, just touches back to they think that their progressiveness means that they can't be racist. And that is not the case. They want this, what they believe to be a well-abled body so they can put their brains, which again is like white people thinking that they are smarter or have a higher IQ than black people, but using their bodies. The brother and get out it seems like he's talking about mma as he wants his body he tells him that like he's more physically able than he is but in the end that blind artist wins him because he knows that chris is a photographer and wants to use his eyes and his body and it's just so crazy how he was able to create this world and get out the order i think it's of coagula is what the family is called. So it's just this generational cult where Rose's family takes white people's minds and puts them into a black body. It's mm. wild, especially when they make him learn what this process is. That you go under the hypnosis, they give you an explanation, and then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, brain transplant surgery. Yeah. And... Um, <sighs> Honestly, I mean, if you haven't seen Get Out, what are you doing listening to us talk about it right now? I know. Um, but after the first hypnosis, he kind of learns that, you know, it's it, it's going to happen again. And the fact that he, you know, destroyed the armchair, the arm on the chair, and stuffed, you know, the stuffing from it in his ears was just genius. But I think... For me, one of the scenes that really creeped me out was um, when we see Rose cross-legged on her bed, scrolling for her next victim while just eating one piece of candy at a time. Yes. Is it candy or... Cereal. She's cereal. She's eating just a, one piece at a time. And it's just like, is she, it, it, with that kind of scene, it makes you kind of think like, is she under hypnosis? Or is she truly doing this with her own free will? Well, we find out that um, Chris finds these photos and Walter and Georgina have dated Rose. Rose is luring these people into what is happening. So I think that she's just sick and sadistic because you see that in the final scene where Rose gets shot and... Mind you, Chris has already killed everybody, but Rose gets shot and he starts to strangle her and she starts smiling, not because she's enjoying being strangled, I don't think, but because she sees police headlights flashing and she knows there's going to be a black man on top of a white woman strangling her and he, no matter what, is going to be the one in the wrong but motherfucking rod save the day oh our comic relief oh my god i loved him and i saw this movie in texas when i lived there 
And we went like when it was first coming out. Um, and I remember the audience, the entire movie was like hanging on every word that was going on. And as soon as those police lights came on, the audience as a whole were like, no. Like there was an audible like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And Rose like reached out and everyone was like, fuck man fuck when that car stopped and then rod got out and everyone was like yeah like literally people were cheering and i also enjoy that jordan peele didn't do the stereotypical thing and kill off the black character yeah because didn't didn't he have an alternative ending for this where i'm not sure chris i think he did i think i obviously I'm digging very deep into my brain somewhere in there um that originally I think Jordan Peele planned for um a different ending where Chris actually gets arrested it doesn't end happy for him because Jordan Peele obviously you know with everything that goes on in America and pretty much probably most places in the world where a policeman sees a black woman uh, sees a black man and a white woman Obviously, a lot of them think, mm, I'm going to arrest that black man. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that Jordan Peele didn't go that route, but I'm pretty sure he did think about it. Um, well, I'm glad that he didn't because Chris is a good final boy. Yeah, I think um, he even, I think even filmed the alternative ending where it ended with Chris um, in a prison wearing an orange jumpsuit on the phone I'm talking so to his that. visitor mm, yeah because <sighs> we know it happens we do and you know chris had been through enough and i'm glad that he kind of got some sort some sort of a happy ending even though it isn't really a happy ending yeah it is because they can't ever do that again because the only people that knew how to do that surgery was that family and now they're dead so at least he has peace that he doesn't have to do that but man he's gonna be fucked up relationship wise for a little bit how do you trust anyone afterwards yeah that's (laughs) what i'm saying when i'm like is it happy ending because his therapy bill is gonna go through the fucking roof it really is (laughs) (laughs) no i loved get out but i am not as big of a fan of his second film, Us, that came out in 2019. How do you feel about it, V? I enjoyed it. Um, I don't... Uh, I don't know if I want to compare the two. Because they're very different stories. Like, obviously, he's still got the overlying, you know, story of um, social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... It's a very different concept, and I I enjoyed the story, if you know what I mean. Like, the others. The story, I feel like, was creepier mm. than Get Out. I just feel like I have such a love for Get Out that I don't hold us as to that high. Like, I don't put it on that high of a pedestal compared to Get Out. It's still a super bomb movie, and... Any of the shortcomings that are in this movie, they're out the window because of Winston Duke. He is so damn fine. So I'll forgive everything about this movie Mm -hmm. because he got those 
thick ass thighs. Oh my god, Ugh. yes. I mean, again, the cast in this fantastic, like Lupita. Oh, I just love Lupita so much. She is such an amazing actress. She truly, truly is. Like, and I love again that he is casting people of color mm-hmm. in his films, obviously. Um, but you had mentioned that these movies are different, but they do still talk about like societal horror. Mm-hmm. And they have a similar undertone because I feel like they both talk about privilege in a way, like the disconnect between social classes or races based on their privilege in the world. Um, and this movie is very much us versus them, mm-hmm. obviously from the title. But this movie opens and a young Adelaide meets someone in a house of mirrors who looks exactly like her. And girl, why are you going into a house of mirrors? Those things are scary. It's a child. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Of the child? Me too. (laughs) But we see Adelaide and her family go on vacation to the same place. And then the tethered show up. This is what I'm saying. This movie is a lot scarier to me than Get Out. Because the tethered are creepy as fuck. The home invasion scene scary it's also interesting that even though the tethered look exactly like you they are different yes and they are in the driveway not really moving or they're just being perfectly still and then they just start coming at the house and he immediately comes in and he's like no we're not doing this nope call the police but the police are like 15 minutes away they know that they're gonna have to deal with them Sorry, I'm already thinking of one of the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's even creepier when they get in the house and you realize that it's the family's doppelgangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what also I think is unnerving is that they don't speak. They don't know how to speak. The only person of the tethered we hear speak is Red which is very suspicious. Yes, she really unsettled me. Her facial expressions, the way that she had those really wide eyes and the way that her voice was, Mm -hmm. is horrifying. So scary. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, God, it gives me a pit in my stomach because just imagine you're sitting on a couch and someone breaks into your house and they look exactly like you, but they're talking the way that she is and have those really wide eyes. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, again, the actors were fantastic. The fact that they had to portray essentially the same character, but very differently and so well. Like, it was very distinct of who was tethered and who was of the, you know, upper world for real and if you know anything about like the folklore of doppelgangers they are supposed to bring bad luck or in some cases in some tellings of a doppelganger they bring death so i'm always scared whenever doppelgangers are like mentioned in like any literature because you that is an omen a bad fucking omen a hundred percent something ain't right (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, especially um in high fi- uh, sci-fi films and sci-fi televisions, like they essentially in sci-fi portray doppelgangers as you know only one of you can be in this timeline, only one of you can exist. Otherwise, extremely horrific things to timelines will happen. Um, so this was obviously a very interesting take on doppelgangers. The fact that that the doppelgangers live underground, not even like in a different plane of the universe. They live underground. I think that Red explains to the family that the tethered are shadow versions Mm. of themselves. They live in the darkness, but they're there to untether themselves from Adelaide and her family. They have come to kill them. Mm -hmm. And we soon learn that... They aren't the only family that this is happening to. Their family, friends down the street, same thing is happening. So this is happening on a wide scale. It's not contained to just this family. But I remember Elizabeth Moss's death scene so vividly. Like, it's so memorable. It's so funny. It really uh, it's is. Just- it's the fact that it's such a serious moment. And, you know, she asks... Uh, I can't say it too loud because I've got one in my room <laughs> and I don't want to set it off. Um, she asks her Alexa, um, to call the police and it just starts playing NWA's Fuck the Police. <laughs> it is just a perfect moment to go, ain't no one going to fucking help you here, bitch. You are dying. For real. And like, that's what I'm saying. In all of his movies, he's able to like add these moments of horror that break the tension that give you something funny, but also super vital to the story. Because as you said, no one's gonna come to help you. But um, the Adelaide and her family pretty much kill most of their doppelgangers. Um, The dad's I think is killed on a boat. Zora's doppelganger is folded up like a pretzel when she's flung from a car. But Jordan, I find very interesting in this because he can, I think his character's name is Jordan. He can almost like mirror Jason. He can like mirror what the other is doing. And you see that he, in the closet scene. Mm-hmm. He He's so smart. He clicks instantly that they will mimic you. Mm-hmm. In essentially. And it is again one of those scenes that stick with you when they're, you know, out of the car and Jason sees Pluto, which is his tethered, his doppelganger, and he just sees the fire behind him and just raises his arms and walks backwards. So that Pluto mimics him and does the same. And it is just such a hypnotizing scene to see. Not only is it because, you know, it's a pivotal moment, but it's a child. Yeah. You're actually seeing a child walk backwards into fire, which never happens in films. Children never die. Which, you know, equal rights to everyone dying in films, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that was super, super interesting. And Pluto was fascinated with fire that you saw from the beginning. In the closet scene, he shows that he's pretty much been burnt before. So a little bit of foreshadowing there from Jordan Peele. But yeah, they end up going down into the tunnels. Where Red explains that the tethers 
are a part of a government experiment and the government would clone these people's bodies but they couldn't get their souls right um so they just up and abandoned the project and left these people in the tunnels to just fend for themselves the reoccurring imagery in this is that of bunnies and commonly bunnies or like goats will be cloned in these sci-fi type movies um and i think that that's what the tethered have to like eat and they don't communicate with the real world they don't interact with them at all they're down there and they're like self-satisfied i mean are we not surprised the government was involved at all no no absolutely not i mean let's face it potentially something like that could really happen in the world because you know, as you said, there was loads of bunnies and we know that there is loads of animal testings to be that have been done. Absolutely. And if MKUltra can happen, only God knows what can happen. But exactly. this is where the reverse Uno card gets thrown into the mix because we learn that Adelaide that we have seen is actually the tethered. She was the clone that overpowered the true Adelaide back in 1986. So that was wild because we learned that young Adelaide had a lot of PTSD from whatever happened to her in the House of Mirrors. She was gone for like an hour and when she came out, she didn't talk. Not because she didn't want to, but we learned it's because she couldn't. Mm-hmm. The tethered can't talk. She had to completely make herself Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And that's why also Red can talk and why Red's voice sounds that way because we see a young Adelaide get strangled. And the way Red talks sounds like someone who's got damaged vocal cords. Mm-hmm. So it's heavily, heavily implied that the Adelaide we've been seeing and rooting for isn't the OG Adelaide. Red has become the leader of the tethered people and like started a whole revolution for them to take the lives of their above ground counterparts. Mm-hmm. It is, she has vengeance. She wants the life that her tethered stole from her, but is ultimately killed. The originally tethered Adelaide has lived above ground for so long and she is not about to go back Mm-mm. no and it's so interesting that jordan pill you had the tethered use their weapon of choice as scissors oh it's an absolute metaphor to untethering themselves like cutting the um connection away yeah absolutely it was genius it was absolutely genius It really was. And the eerie part about this movie was the hands across America scene where all of them are holding hands. And young Adelaide, before she went down there, we see her watching that commercial. And I think ever since then, who we know now is Red has constantly thought about that because it was like America was supposed to come together and, you know, join hands and, like, be one force. And she wants that for the tethered people because she's been down there for so long. She's like, we, it's our time. The forgotten people. Yes, and that is seen through the Bible scripture, the Jeremiah 11.11. Um, that is a reoccurring and constant 
message in this not only is the 1111 like doubling something um but they constantly bring it up in this movie his storytelling is at the moment unmatched like we have we have some very very good modern horror films but it's just with jordan peele films there is just something about the way he tells these stories that at the moment is unmatched yeah i think that he truly understands where we are as a society and is able to take the things that are scary every day and show us that ultimately these are a big fucking issue. Yeah, and I think that's also why we're seeing now a lot more modern horror films you use actual real life horrific things. Like, as we mentioned, They Them is going to be exploring um, conversion camps because that is an actual real terrifying thing that people have to go through um like yes we've gone through the phases of the boogeyman and that sort of thing it's now time to shed spotlights on real life terrifying boogeymans that are in the world and i think i said it before this movie is very much us versus them it is either i'm winning or you're winning and that is a huge issue this movie has an overall storyline of trying to come together, but we can never come together if we're constantly pitting ourselves against our neighbors. And it also, I think, also has the um, parallel of rich versus poor as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so you can spin it so many different ways, but again, I'm glad that we have two horror movies where we see people of color be strong characters and be central characters and i want more of it obviously mm-hmm. jordan peele is a is a black man living in america and he isn't going to shy away from displaying those type of characters and giving them a good strong story cuz unfortunately we don't often get that with white filmmakers no, and I think we've mentioned it so many times before. I am so sick of seeing white people in the leads. I want to see diversity on my screen. I don't care if the person that's on screen looks like me. If it's a story I can relate to in some sort of way, I'm going to enjoy it. I don't care if the person is not, you know, a white, brown hair, brown eyes kind of person. Yeah. I just want a good story that's it i want something that i can get behind a likable character a likable story a likable director as well because if the director's shit i'm not gonna watch it (laughs) that's totally not a dig at a certain thing that's you know been released recently that we're never ever going to talk about because the director is just a piece of fucking shit yeah for Sure, we're talking about Jeepers Creepers. So sorry about yeah, it. Um, yeah, well, no, we're not sorry about it. The director is a fucking absolute pedophile. We're never going to talk about Jeepers Creepers on this podcast. If you are into that sort of thing, we're not sorry about it because we are just not going to touch that sort of thing at I'm all. Sure that you can go find a horror YouTuber, or horror podcaster that'll talk about Jeepers Creepers, but. If you can't tell from listening to this podcast, um, 
we are very inclusive and very for the girls, gays, and bays. And um, we absolutely will not cover somebody as gross and nasty as that. Um, mm-hmm. So um, now that we've said that, do you want me to give you a spoiler-free review of Nope? Of course I do. I, I really want to know your thoughts. Okay. So I went to go see this with Val, Trevor, and Margot, and we... <laughs> We went, and I will say there was a lot of older people of color. We didn't have a full audience. There was probably about 30 of us in the theater, but majority of them were older people of color, which I thought was very interesting. But I know that we have said this on previous episodes. Don't ever expect something from a movie, but definitely don't expect this movie to be what you're going to think it is, because per his previous entries, he has such a way of spinning your expectations on what the movie is going to be. This is a very interesting sci-fi western movie. I don't quite know what I was in thinking that it was going to be, but it definitely took a turn. Um, It is not as heavy on the societal horrors. There are some that you can definitely pick up on, but it is definitely leaning way more into the sci-fi realm. There were some incredible shots, like seriously stunning. There's one in particular that um, really kind of shook me when I saw it. Um, But I really think that Kiki Palmer was the standout in this movie. I think that you're absolutely going to love her character. Emerald is... (laughs) I love her. Okay. I absolutely love her. Listen, I've loved Kiki Palmer since uh, uh, VP True Jackson and Screen Queens. I have such a soft spot for Kiki Palmer. The way she speaks is just her... It's not even the way she speaks. It's the way she says things. Like, um, she took... on. I can't remember which um, magazine it is, but they do a lie detector thing. And she's shown a picture of someone and she's like, I don't know who that man is. He could be walking down the street and I wouldn't know a thing. I quote that pretty much every single week. (laughs) So... Her character is siblings with, I think Daniel is, is his name, Daniel Kaluuya? Yes. Um, they are siblings, and they could not be more opposite. Okay, so watching their chemistry on screen, especially having a brother, is very on point. As much as I loved Emerald, I also truly love the character of Angel. You don't really think you're going to like his character as much as you end up liking him, but you do. He brings some really good comedic relief in super intense scenes. And again, just the way that he is able to write things, I don't think that this can touch Get Out. I feel like Get Out is like on a pedestal that's like lifted to the heavens. But this I kind of like more than us. And I'm excited to give it a rewatch because I'm sure that there are a lot of things that I did not pick up on. There were a lot of metaphors 
and a lot of tying of stories together, but he was able to do it so seamlessly. Okay, okay, interesting. Well, you're definitely going to have time to rewatch it because, like I said at the beginning, well, said last week, it's delayed by two weeks in the UK. So by the time this episode comes out, Nope will finally be released in the UK. No, it'll be a week after. Fucking hell. I've got (laughs) so long to wait for this fucking (laughs) film and I'm so excited for it. But also, as you... um, were saying that the cinema wasn't full up i think the issue horror films have is that they don't get enough publicity as big action films do i think if they got the same advertisement as big blockbuster films i think they would get more bums in the seat well i did go to like a smaller cinema so that also potentially could be why because when i went to go see black phone i saw it in a theater that was attached to the mall and that was a sold out showing so I feel like it was it's probably just my theater but at the end of the movie this older black woman stood up and she was talking about it with her row and she stood up and looked toward the back of the theater where we were and was like did anybody like this movie you want to know how I felt about it ask me if I liked it and somebody said did you like it and she was like nope And I couldn't tell if she was joking or not because they say nope a lot in the movie. And then I walked out into the theater and there was about 10 people standing around, all of them older, talking about how they didn't understand it, how it was not good, that the trailer was 10 times better. But, and I've seen a few reviews talking about how people think that this was too disorganized of a film. And I beg to differ. We can talk about it um, when you see it, but the complaints that I have seen online, if you actually take a step back and look at the overall story of this movie, makes complete and perfect sense. He loves metaphors, and they were, it was chock full of them, of course, but I personally like the film. But this is what we've been saying people go into films with such expectations like they probably had an expectation from his two previous films and thinking it's going to be a certain way and he's clearly from what you're saying done something a little bit different to what he's normally done and people probably don't get it because they're expecting him to do what get out and us is like this yeah, is why I, I try not to go into films thinking about oh the director's the previous, previous ones, works were like this yeah. It's just going to ruin the film for you. Yeah, I feel like he is able to have extremely original concepts with everything that he does. I like this film, but somebody on YouTube that I watch can was saying that he was scared that he was going to turn into M. Night Shyamalan and just have it be too crazy and far-fetched. But I think that he has given us a type of movie that no one else could. And I don't think that it is too far-fetched. He just gave us something that we aren't used to seeing. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. No. If directors keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's going to get stale. It's going to get boring. You and want this movie them to... was not stale or boring. <laughs> Good. Because we don't want that. We don't want directors to do the same thing with every product, every production they do like yes they may have a signature but if they keep repeating the same stories the same arcs the same type of characters no one's going to want to see their work no one's going to enjoy it 
Yes, and I also think that the reason why Jordan Peele is able to do this is he truly does love the genre of horror. He has gone on to... I don't know if you've seen him when somebody said that he was the greatest horror director and he was like, okay, but I will not allow for any John Carpenter slander. Like, yes, he is able to get inspiration from these large movies, but put a spin on it, a modern spin on it and kind of shift the lens that we see it through. Because as we've said that he is a black man living in America. So he's able to change the way that we perceive these films and these characters. But um, yeah, I really, really think that his film work is and would be nothing without the people that he truly looks up to. Like, there, I was reading something that he put together, like a, I guess, a showcase of movies that inspired and played with Get Out. And like, some of them were Rosemary's Baby and The Shining, like the cue, the title sequence, like the, the title scene in Get Out has the blue writing just like The Shining does. He takes little things that work well from the horror genre and movies that he has loved in the past and just makes it something completely his own so i admire Mm -hmm. him for that no absolutely and i think that's why i also love his take on the twilight zone like it felt so inspired by the original series but taking his like not even signature but his eyes and completely giving it new life like if you have not seen his twilight zone series i so highly recommend it i don't even think it's that long i think it may be five or six episodes but it's just fantastic like i love his films but i think his twilight zone series is my favorite of his okay i think that if i were to rank his movies right now it'd be get out nope us so i'm super excited to hear because i know that you're a sci-fi girly i'm excited to hear what you're gonna think about nope i'm so excited like you know me sci-fi separate from horror i love but sci-fi horrors oh there's just something about them that gets me going (laughs) this movie is unlike anything that i've ever seen before so just makes me excited to see what he's gonna do for for the future because i feel like he stepped outside of what we've seen him do before with these because i feel like us and get out they're completely different ideas but they do kind of have a similarity to them he doesn't completely lose that in nope but he's able to do something totally different so Mm. i'm excited for you to see it i'm excited to see it too and one thing I would like to see from him for one of his future products is a true horror comedy from him. Like, we've oh, seen comedy yeah. elements in some of his films, but I want him to do a Shaun of the Dead type of film. Like, pure comedy horror. Because we know he can. We know he can. Only if Keegan-Michael Key is in it. <gasps> <gasps> Could you imagine? <laughs> yes, that would be so funny. But I totally agree with you on that. I feel like I kind of also want to see him do a slasher film. Ooh, that would be so fun. Like, yeah. It, slashers are having a resurgence anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, bodies, bodies, bodies looks like a slasher. They slash them. 
we um obviously got a scream kind of quote-unquote reboot we've got another scream film coming halloween um, i'm just halloween mm, i feel like that'd be cool as fuck we got x Mm-hmm. You got so many slashers recently. I'm ready for Jordan yeah. Peele to put it's his little toes in. It's a resurgence. It's a resurgence of the slasher genre, and we are fucking here for it. Like you know me and you, we're sluts for it. <laughs> yes. So I'm interested to see what he will do next. But I think that V had mentioned before that we're going to be taking a break next week. So there will not be a new episode, but you can definitely check us out on social media. V, do you want to tell us social medias? All right, babes, listen up. We're on Instagram at Horror Hunt Podcast. And then we're on the tweets, the Twitters at Horror Hunt Pod. Also, we've got TikToks, but, you know, we don't really post on there. Only when we get inspiration, you know. Um, but yeah, interact with us. We love talking to you guys. We love hearing your opinion. Like, please, even if it's something we haven't talked about, just drop us a message and say, hey, I've recently watched this. Or, you know, what I think you should talk about is this because I yeah. think it would be rather cool. We want to have this as a community. You know, the horror community in general is great. We would just like a little slice of heaven with you guys and i think that it would be interesting if you give us recommendations on like v said what you want to hear us talk about because i like learning and viewing and reading Mm -hmm. all different types of horror so yes i will be interested to hear if anybody reaches out um but i think (laughs) i think the next episode we record it's gonna be a fun one so you will definitely want to stick around Give yourself a little break. Follow us on social media. Um, But we are going to come out with a banger of an episode for the next one. So strap the fuck in, guys. (laughs) Pete, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? (laughs) I I just love Jordan Peele. That's it. He is a fantastic man. Just period. Jordan Peele, you are an icon. I bow to you, sir. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.